seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. Welcome, friends, to episode 219 of Color Magic, your magic gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 219 episodes, Still got my main man with one more show before Christmas. Brian Allen, how's it going, dude? Yep. And not a creature was heard or was something. Or not a creature was stirring, I think. It's, except a Pomeranian, I'm sure, around here somewhere is stirring. Yeah, oh, I got three cats that I know are stirring right now. So they, they got no chill. They don't care what the holiday is. Right. <laughs> they actually look forward to the holiday because we always have, like, the box and the paper we leave an extra day out. So they just get to wrestle in it or whatever, and they think it's the greatest thing. So. Well, I mean, they're not really looking forward to it because they don't know. <laughs> they don't know until you give them the oh, paper. No, no. <laughs> At this point, they have figured it out because they realize when the presents are under the tree, at some point, those presents are no longer under the tree, and then they can mess with them. <laughs> <laughs> They just don't know when that day is. They just wait until it happens. But yeah, uh, before we get into stuff, because man, this one has a lot of things to talk about. We need to tell you to go check out our sponsor over at CoolStuffInc.com. As always, you can use code DRAGON. It'll save you 5% to get anything you want, any of the nerd stuff over there. It's good. Just use the code. You save some money. You support our people, and they support us. So check them out over at CoolStuffInc.com. And if you want to support the show directly, you can go to Patreon, to patreon.com slash color of magic and get a shout out just like Brishan Miller, who actually spends a lot of time like in conversations online and stuff. So yeah, thanks for being an active part of our community. And you can get access to the discord by being a member over there on Patreon, or you can just go to color of magic slash shop, color of MTG slash shop, sorry, to actually get some stuff over there. But that brings us to our lead story, which got to be a bit of a mess this week. And obviously, we talked about it last week with all the layoffs from Wizards, or actually from Hasbro, which a few of those were from Wizards. And then something interesting happened. Uh, there was someone who started a thread <laughs> about assuming that Wizards of the Coast was trying to fire their artists so they could move to having... AI-generated arts. Now, the reason this even came about is there was a job posting for a position in the art department that was basically talking about how one of the things you needed to do is be able to manipulate artwork. They kind of took that and rode with it. But this is kind of a case where when people don't know what's going on behind the scenes or how things operate, there's some big leaps of assumption that happen. Now, their assumption, and I get it, like if you really read into it, you can kind of make up a world to yourself where these things are true. That, well, they need to be able to manipulate to draw hands and they need to be able to touch up artwork that might not look right. And, you know, and reading that, they kind of go, wait, maybe, maybe this is all because they need to create AI art, but AI art still messed up, and then they need to clean it up to make it look like magic art. Which, all right, good conspiracy theory. You know on the show, if there's a good conspiracy theory, we're in. Right? Like, like I'll, I'll listen to a conspiracy theory anytime. The problem here, though, is that's not really what's going on. The issue is that magic artwork gets submitted by individual contracted artists of all different styles. Some are still traditional painting it, some are doing large-scale stuff, some are doing small-scale stuff, some is all digital. Just kind of depends on the artist. 
But then you have to make that artwork fit a bunch of different types of products, right? First off, you might have to take a big print and get it down after scanning or whatever to fit on a two-inch magic card piece of art, right? Like, that's the first thing. But then, you know, you maybe have to format some art that you got to send to Ultra Pro, who's a partner that uses the artwork for their products, for deck boxes, for play mats, right? You have to be able to make sure the important pieces of the artwork still show up the way they need to when wrapped around a deck box or whatever the case happens to be, right? So that's what some of those jobs are trying to hire for do specifically. And there was other people who came on and kind of even artists that have worked for Wizards and still work for Wizards, like had to explain, like, that's not really what's going on here, right? Like, here's how artwork works. And here's what they request from us. And here's what we do. And then there's the business side of like, you have to just understand that Wizards makes a lot of money off of art. And I'm sure you know, well, as I do, Brian, like on a lot of stuff, like if you want to make money on it, you got to own it, right? That's the first big issue. And you can't own AI art as the law and the rules stand right now because at least not yet. That's what I'm, saying. <laughs> I'm sure lawyers are working on that right now. I understand. At some point in the future, that may change. But as things stands, they can't own AI artwork because of how it's generated, where it comes from, you know, all that. If and I had to guess, I suspect the ruling will eventually be as long as you own the computer that made it, you'll be able to own it. Maybe, but I think the rules would still be like, like, do does let's say Midjourney own any percentage of it since you use their software to create it? Because it would have been created on their site through their servers. You just own the artwork from the, I guess, IP address it was created from, or whatever. Right? And like if that becomes a problem, Hasbro got enough money to buy. But that's what I'm saying. Like, there's still a lot that has to be worked out. I think we're still yeah. several years from that at this point. So, and, I mean, the person may not be wrong in the long term. They may just be wrong in the short term. Sure. I mean, let's be honest. Stockholders are stockholders. They care about the money. They care about the art now because they're making a bunch of money on it. If they can oh, figure sure. out a way to do that without paying, let's be honest. Every newspaper, media company, if they could, that's what the strike just taught, the actor strike just taught us. If they could make movies without actors, they would. They just can't right now. <laughs> but they're not hiring for a job today for a thing in three years, right? Like, that's just not what's happening right now. And and But I get it. Like I said, I think a future world, we may be having a different discussion. You know, maybe, maybe even as recent as five years from now, we'll be having a different conversation, yeah. you know, once that's sorted out. But right now, you can't own that. And Wizards puts artwork on a lot of things. Whether you're talking magic and D&D stuff, whether it's now, especially because the movie and things, you know, action figures, stickers, like we talk about partners with like Ultra Pro making products that stuff's on, you know, banners, posters, whatever. Things they send to retailers to help promote the products, things on their card boxes. So I get it, right? There's a lot of money that they get from the artwork. There's why they pay for it. And Wizards is actually closer to the upper end of what they pay contracted artists for artwork it's not like it's a crazy amount of money but in the gaming world there's a lot of people that don't pay yeah. very much for art sadly so wizard is definitely closer to or writing art. yeah tell me <laughs> there's a lot matter, of people that don't. matter of fact what people don't know is if you do the planeswalker artworks those are actually worth more than a regular piece of art or at least they were as of like oh, five wow, years okay. ago and part of the reason i believe and i haven't had somebody in the art department tell me this but I would think it's because of the specificity of what the character needs to look like. Yeah. Like when you just do, cause don't be wrong when you do like random goblin in the world or whatever, 
there's still a world book you build from. The goblins look this way. They wear these type of clothes, yeah. you know, whatever. But you can make but whatever. But that ain't Jace. You know, that's yeah, not exactly. The, that's not the but start if you of the do, show. But if you do Jace or Liliana or whatever, they have to have certain runic marks. Their outfits yeah. have to have a certain design. Like, if they have a certain weapon in their right hand, it's got to always be in the right hand because that's how they use it. Or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Because so, people will notice if somebody's weapon is in their own hand. And I think that's why they pay more. Because, like, okay, you have to follow some different designs, maybe do a little extra research, whatever. You can't just make the thing and have it be a piece. So there's there's some stuff around it. All that being said, that did also lead to Wizards of the Coast then making a statement saying, hey, we're not putting AI artwork in our final products. Period. <laughs> like, end of statement. Like, we need to put this to bed. This is not a thing. This is not why we're hiring artists. This is not what's going on. Like, And again, they understand, like, hey, we make money from it. We do all these other things. We are not putting AI artwork in our final product. So now I'm sure there's going to be people going, well, this piece looks like it might be AI generated. Who did this or whatever, right? Because they're going to find people like me going, not yet. Because <laughs> how yeah, many yeah. years ago it was it when Rosewater said, I don't think we would ever do things like putting Marvel characters in our you know, in a, sure, on sure. our magic cards, and here we are. Because, you know, yeah. Hasbro does things that they don't ask anybody at Wizardry I, I World. That. I agree with that, but I, I feel that way about most things in the world. That if you give me a statement, as long as it's good for, like, I don't know, the next four or five years, then, all right, fine. Like, I get it. But I understand the world changes, technology changes, needs change. You know, and I'm... There's stuff that, hell, even within Wizards, but a lot of companies, that they said something 15 years ago and people are like, well, but this one time you said, and it's like, dude, that was a decade and a half ago. Like, all of our lives are so different. Like, of course, they're going to have different needs at that point, you know? So, like, again, I'm with you. Will they ever have AI artwork? Like, probably. I mean, I think that's reason they'll wait until you know because right now everybody is talking about it it's a hot topic and there would be a huge pr hit if you did it oh yeah yeah five five years from now after ar sadly is it will just become more and more common than yeah like you said conditions may have changed and there you may be able to do it without people even noticing that it's been done yeah so it's it's very possible that's what i'm saying like Again, if we're good for the next four or five years and they don't have any, okay, cool. You kept up your end of the bargain under the circumstances, whatever. And then you just make your statement and saying like, hey, because of the way things have changed and the way the markets moved, like we kind of have to go to this direction or whatever. But we'll see. Again, I think it's going to have more to do with the laws of ownership more than the creation of yeah. the artwork. Because if you can't ever truly own something that's generically created... I think that's going to be the biggest issue because it's all about money in the end and paying for this artwork is the company owns assets, right? So they could reproduce them. They could make licensing deals, branded items, future sets where you want to reuse the artwork, whatever. Right. And even for wizards themselves, like that's been the argument even of the past of why they've actually redone artwork on some of the old cards when they re-released them. And so they don't have to pay licensing fees and other things or whatever to some artists because of different agreements. So ownership of the artwork is a very big deal, whether that's for wizards or the artist or whatever, you know, they work out. I think that's the biggest sticking point as to why they don't really care about AI artwork right now. And to be fair, 
it's hard to get AI to even do again a good version of your licensed character and branded looks. Yeah, that's, and that's again that's today. Sure, <laughs> it's sure. hard. But I, what's, I, I, what's gonna be really trippy is when, let's say 10, 15 years from now, I hope it takes at least that long. Not only may the machines be able to do art at that quality, but they may be able to come to court and explain that they're the owner because they're sentient. <laughs> you know, and they made it and they are they're they've become Lieutenant Commander Data. They they are a real life boy. They exist. I and mean, they want to be paid for their artwork. Maybe. I mean that's a crazy scenario, but not awfully unbelievable. I mean, yeah, ten happen. years ago, if I ten years ago, if I told you that you know a, a, a computer could even do art by itself, you're like, yeah, yeah that's that. That's what they used to say in every sci-fi movie. Is like, was it? How am I not alive? Can a robot make art? Can it sing? Can it make a painting? You know, as the iRobot, and lo and behold, now it can. Yeah, I, what's funny is, and it's funny you said because I've always thought that art could be created because it's it's an image. It's just how does that image look? What's in the image? You know. Yeah. So like, I've always thought that was possible. I think for me, it becomes more difficult when you're talking about like AI having to be sentient enough that it can learn like the timing of comedy, right, and structuring a joke. But like once it yeah. gets to that level, then it's like oh. Well, now it just understands being human. Yeah. Right? Like, now we have an issue. <laughs> and there are people working on that right now, trying to figure out how. There, there are AIs writing jokes and trying to, and people oh, yeah. trying to determine if the jokes are funny. I, I think I might have mentioned this a while ago. The podcast, I think it's the one that has Tom Segura on it, I think. Whatever that podcast is. They have a deal with a company that, I guess, uses their show to basically train some of their AI stuff. Between conversation, yep. jokes, whatever. And then at some point, they had it right. It was a long one. Maybe like a 20-minute set or something. As though the AI was Tom Brady, the, the NFL quarterback or ex-NFL yeah. quarterback, telling jokes. And it was a weird experience to listen to. Because, like, some of the jokes were actually kind of funny. A bunch of them were just like, it put things together that should be funny, but you're like, that's just more of a statement than a joke, right? And but there's comedians that do that. Yeah. But there's <laughs> but there were a couple in there that I'm like, oh, this is actually like a real structured joke. Like this yeah. is all right. But then it was weird because like the inflection didn't land right on the right part of the sentence to give it the emphasis it needed. And then there was like no well, I guess as a comedian, you would call it like an applause break or whatever to give yeah. people time to absorb the joke to move on to the next joke. Like it was just like statement, half a second pause, start the next statement or whatever. And it was like, yeah, this this is not a human telling me a joke. It, it sounds mostly like Tom Brady, close enough that if you didn't know exactly what he sounded like, like you'd be like, oh yeah, I've heard this guy once before. This is probably him. But like it, it was a weird experience. We're we're definitely not there if, if I if I take you to Backdoor Comedy Club this weekend, as we maybe not all the weekend, but let's say open mic night, you'll hear five comedians that do all the same things wrong. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> no doubt. I I have a local over spot the, we can go to. But over the course of time, they may learn, and now and and they're not, you know, they don't have the ability to pull from. All of the humor that's ever been written the oh, way yeah. the way a computer's going to be able to. It's we're this yeah, is that, this is both exciting and frightening. Yeah, that to me is the thing, is when it figures out the human interaction, 
right? The human element. That's the thing where you start having concerns. But yeah, like art to me, like even, I mean, hell, I go through a museum and, you know, you have the, whatever they call the chaperone or whatever that tries to tell you about all the artwork or whatever. And it's just like splatter paint on a canvas. And I'm like, oh, well, you yeah. can see the artist's pain and blah, blah. And I'm like, he probably just laid that on the floor and just flicked some paint on it. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, so art is is just a visual. So I'm like, eh, anything could technically be art in that regard. So I'm like, uh, I don't know. Are you disparaging yeah. the good name of D- Jackson Pollock, sir? It sounds like you are. I, I might be, actually. <laughs> like, I don't know. I might actually be. When you when you put it like that, maybe I am. I don't know. But yeah, it, it's an interesting discussion, though, Like because it kind of, in a way, the way that the thread just blew up sort of kind of mirrored a lot of other things we're seeing in social media right now. Like, I think off the air, I told you about how a guy tried to make up a story about AOC, the, the politician, about her like sleeping with her high school or a college professor or something, and then literally made up something and attached it to some old politics from Israel because Israel's in the news and people click on things and whatever. And it's just like, all right, so you make the weirdest, loosest connection. So people have some, and then if you read through the comments, which is the same thing that happened on the magic thread, a bunch of people just basically saw the headline and then wanted to might write a response, right? They didn't even go into the next tweet to see what the actual thing was about or click a link or anything. And it's just like, ah, I wish we could, we're not going to stop doing it, but I wish we would stop doing it, you know, because so much gets lost that way. Like, and that's why even when we talk about things, we're like, we try to be careful where I haven't researched enough. I'll at least mention like, Hey, I haven't looked into this or, you know, I don't know the particular person's name just so we're not giving false information, just saying like, Hey, here's what we know up to this point. And that's it. Like, I can't tell you any more than that, you know, but if you do want an interesting read, I may try to include these in the show notes, but either way, if you just search on Twitter for magic AI art or art replacement, like it's kind of all over the place right now, but there were some stuff where people were even showing how magic cards are made. You're using that as another example as to why wizard is hiring people with certain skills because magic cards are layered for people that don't know, like, which makes sense when you think about it, but like the text box, the card frame, the artwork, whatever has to go on on in layers in a program to eventually be put on a sheet to be able to be printed. And then you have stuff like planeswalkers that they all break the frame in some way. So those have to be done separately or, you know, technically different than everything else. And it's like more reasons why you need somebody with these technical skills, which is what they were asking for, when they were saying to manipulate artwork, to be able to cut things and readjust stuff and whatever, it wasn't to like, hey, we're going to make a generic piece of Zendikar art and we need you to make it look like Zendikar art. <laughs> like that's it's not what they're asking for. So yeah, crazy situation. But yeah, a lot of sites were leading with the story late yesterday and today of just, where's the code saying, hey, look, we're just saying outright for the time being, we're just banning AI artwork in our final products and y'all got to worry about it. So we can just put this to bed, which I get. Like, it's a PR yeah. situation that you didn't even create, you know, right? That you didn't even do anything. But it's coming behind the news that everybody's already upset about. And it's just like, hey, put it out there. Get a cheap PR win. Kill some bad news. Which we'll talk about later in the show. There's some other sites, Twitch, that need mm-hmm. to maybe take a page out of their book to just... You need to kill the bad PR as fast as possible sometimes. But 
let's get into the soapbox because we got some other stuff we need to talk about. So yeah, other magic discourse, and I and I almost don't even want to call it discourse at this point, but it is. Like people just being upset about proxies again. Like I feel like at least twice a year. This is just a thing that comes up on social media and everybody has a discussion about. And what's weird is this one didn't even start about proxies. Like as far as I could backtrack to see where it started from is because some people went to a recent tournament. I think DreamHack maybe went to one of the big tournaments, tried to get some singles, couldn't find them among the vendors, which they weren't even like like high-end popular rares the way I understand it. They needed some quirky uncommons or something that's they just couldn't find a full set of four in the room or something. And then it started this whole discussion like, well, should they be allowed to proxy it? And if they proxy it, is that wrong? Is it cheating? Is it against the rules? Should somebody be punished? Does it make it where the game's too expensive for people to play competitively? And just like, it's like, dude, somebody just didn't do their job and came unprepared. And it's their fault because they didn't prep to get like what's effectively four $1 cards. Like that's, that's not a price issue. That's not a, that's just a poor player preparation issue. Well, I mean, if you came to the event where there's, I'm going to guess, I don't know, 100 vendors and nobody had the cards. Uh, you know what? It, like I said, if it's a popular card that you expect people to have or whatever, cool. If you're deep in your bag and you come up with this weird, quirky thing that nobody else is playing or whatever, and you expect a vendor to have that, that's on you. Like, not every vendor is going to bring 16 to 20 copies of every single card available in whatever formats are being run that weekend. Like that's an insane amount of space for them to load up for stuff that's just not going to sell. It just doesn't make sense. Part of preparation for an event is having your crap together, having your tools. Like I didn't show up to a track meet and walk over to them and be like, Hey, could I borrow some extra track spikes? Cause I wore mine down and forgot to replace them this morning. Like, no, you have your, your, key and you take your own track spikes out and you brought your replacements and you put them on before you start your race. Like that's what you do. And is it expensive? Yeah. Track spikes are not cheap. That's part of being a runner. Like you, you do your thing to compete at the higher level. Now, should it be a barrier? You'd rather it not be honestly. And wizards, like this is, this is the tough part of the conversation that I've told people before. Like we either get stuff cheaply or we get stuff that has value but it's hard to have both right so they're reprinting stuff and now you're starting to have people that are getting mad because a lot of their stuff doesn't have value but you have these people on the side of the argument for proxying stuff that want everything to be cheap right but then it's like okay but then your stuff that you have now has no value then if they drive it, you know, like the old stuff that they're not reprinting the reserve list, whatever, fine. Like that's well, totally this person was willing to pay. It's just nobody in the room had the cards. Oh, no, I agree. But th- I'm talking about where we devolved the conversation down to. Oh. It becomes all about proxies for the last 48-ish hours, right? Probably 72 hours by the time people listen to this. And it's just like, what are we even discussing after a point? There's literally, you reach a point where people are talking past each other, where they're even agreeing on some things, but just like the technical parts of it, they don't agree on or whatever. And it's just... Everybody's just wanting to have a say about it. But for me, I've I've always thought about it this way. If I'm going into a competitive setting, then I have to be prepared to do whatever is required of that competitive setting. Right? Even in like disc golf, there's high entry fees because you're playing in these events that have bigger prizes or whatever. Obviously, if you're a golfer, you get a bunch of the golf courses are at country clubs or whatever. You know, if you're going to do those things, 
you do the things to compete at that level, right? You're not spending your money on other things because you're trying to be competitive at this thing. If it's not competitive, then I don't really care as much, right? Like if you want to play proxies among your friends, build weird quirky decks, but you don't want to have like 20 copies of every card or whatever, like I get that. Like, that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. The only thing I say is in my personal groups, especially for Commander, like I get it if you want to proxy one or two cards to test them out before you buy them or whatever, because some still are expensive and you, you don't necessarily want to buy a card and end up not liking it. Like, I get it. I have no issue with that. But when I see people proxying literally like full Commander decks just to play with their friends, I'm kind of like, is every, if everybody's playing high power Commander where you feel like you got to have certain cards, and I guess... But to just never have any cards and your whole goal is to print everything feels weird to me. Again, I'm not telling you you're wrong for doing it. Like, you are welcome to do whatever you do with your money and your play group allows it, whatever. Just in my groups, I, that would just feel weird. Like, I mean, how so? I guess I don't get it. Because you're never support, like, and again, not saying that Wizards needs to make a pile of money. But at what point are you supporting any part of the ecosystem that is providing you the entertainment and the thing? That's my is personal. That, is that a thing people actually discuss when they sit down unless there's a retailer in the group? Uh, I have had that conversation with people, believe it or not. Of like, especially when you're showing up to a local store to play. But, but again, you're you have been a retailer. No, 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 no. I'm not. I have not started the conversations. People have asked me because I've been a former retailer. So yeah, <laughs> it's like where we might. Like, for example, I had this conversation about pirating movies because, you know, since I'm an actor, I don't, you know, I, I don't pirate content. That's yeah. kind of my yeah. thing. You know. but, so again, I guess. but there's people that would argue with that you should be allowed to pirate movies. And I'm just like, I don't really think you should be allowed to pirate movies. Like, yeah. I get that people are going to do it, you know, but not even just the studio. I mean, there's literally actors, graphic designers, key grips, whatever, that all get paid because those things make money. If they don't make money, then they don't get other yeah. projects, right? Like, that's kind of the thing. And it's weird to me to even even to want to show up to your local store. I mean, and, I, and I've known one of these people that they want to proxy everything and they want to show up to everything that goes on at the store all the time. And it's like, you're using their resources and wanted to come in and fill seats that they could put other people in that would be buying stuff but like you're not doing anything to buy anything from the store and that just that's weird but if, but if you bought your entire deck someplace else and then came in you still haven't contributed to that store's economy unless you bought a coke or something yeah, or but i would say like there. very few people don't buy anything from those stores ever right you might I'm buy some things at other places or whatever you might get a thing or two online because the local store doesn't have it like that's totally understandable like that's going to happen but it's an interesting thing you know and for me i just don't now there are purposes. Like, let's say you were making content and you're just making, I don't know, three, four commander decks or videos a week or whatever. You're not going to own every single card. So practicing some stuff to have it on camera or whatever, it makes sense, right? But does There's, that work? Because now you're making money off of... Because if, yeah. if you're going to be upset with the person that came to the came to the casual commander game, would you also be upset with the person that is going to make money without having bought the cards? Yeah, but I'm not saying they never buy the cards. I'm just saying for a purpose to eventually get to where you're buying the cards, yes. But there are literally people that say they should be able to proxy stuff all the time, never buy a magic card. Like, value of magic should be nothing. It's a game. 
You know, like, and I don't think some people understand that, like, everything in the chain makes money on some level or it eventually just doesn't exist. And some people are okay with it not existing. That's also true. You know, there's the burn it to the ground people. Like, I mean, like, that's that's a thing. Some people feel and, you know, it's whatever. But again, I'm not saying anybody's wrong for having any proxies ever. Like, I think that's that's not a realistic conversation, I don't think. I think even on some level, we've been playtesting decks for a tournament or whatever, and we've proxied a couple yeah. things or whatever, right? Like, so just to say that people should never have proxies is just a silly argument. Like, I, I don't, I think when people take it to that extreme, that doesn't make sense to me either. Like, that's that's not but a Man, how would you ever go about setting a limit? Like, is four cool? Is five cool? Because, <laughs> like, you've decided that, okay, the entire deck being proxies is bad, but I guess you say you don't have a problem with. Two, yeah, three, yeah, make a four cards. You want to test them, but again, that's me and my personal group. I'm not saying that should be the standard for everybody. I'm just saying there's no need for proxies in the groups I play in because we're all playing quirky cards and weird things. So, like, yeah, you don't need to have certain things to be competitive, have fun or whatever in our groups. So it would be weird to have somebody come in and proxying like half their deck or all their non-basic lands to just have the perfect deck. And we're just like, dude, we're all just playing stuff. Like, what the hell are you doing? You know, like, it doesn't make sense. Because to me, if I'm going back to before I played Magic regularly, if I sit down and I hear this conversation take place, I'm just going to go get up and play something else because it's already become yeah, yeah, way too complicated for me. I hear you. But you're also one that's probably just going to play with whatever you have a lot of the time. You know, so I'm just like, it's it's a weird thing. Because I, I don't remember, you talk about how this discourse happens in Magic, seems like every Tuesday. I don't recall having had this debate in any other card game I've played. I've played probably 15 or 20 at this point. Yep, doesn't happen with other communities at all. And even in other games where they have crazy expensive cards. Yeah. Like, it doesn't come up in, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! as an example, where they have some crazy expensive stuff. Doesn't come up in Pokemon, right? Everybody just goes kind of on the basic rules of, if we're playing anything that's organized or competitive, you just got to have the cards. If you're not, do whatever the hell you want to do. All <laughs> right. And that's it's kind of the clear line in most games. And for me, that mostly kind of applies. Are, to people, checking in, are, are people checking in Pokemon Turbos to make sure the cards are not proxies? I wonder. No, people are also not checking in magic tournaments. But what happens is if somebody notices you have them, they can call you out on them and then judges do a check to verify whatever. And then you get DQ'd or because they do this in all games. Now at competitive levels, there's also random deck checks every round. So there's depending on the size of the event, some number of tables get checked every round with the judges just to verify you're playing the cards you said you're going to play or whatever. But during the deck checks, if they see fake cards, they have DQ'd people. So that is I would thing. Hate to win that way. That would just, that would not feel good. I, I got a win that way one time, and I didn't even know what happened. Literally, they just called my opponent over, and there was a talk at the head judge's table, and then they just came back and told me, I need to sign the slip, and I win 2-0. And my opponent has been DQ'd. And I'm like, I okay. I thought the and dude just got called why? over. I thought he got called over for something minor and then maybe like went off on the judges or something and got, right? got I didn't know what happened. I found out later, you know. Yeah. But because I would want to know, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean it's definitely a thing that happens. So it, it but again, it's only a magic thing where we seem to have this discussion. Right? It just doesn't come up anywhere else. And 
And for me, it's just a clear line. Like, yes, does that mean playing competitively has a higher fee for people? And yes, blah, 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 cost, poverty. Yes, those are all real things. I'm not saying they're not. But that's kind of just being competitive at things. You know, and but the, the environment has changed because years ago, <laughs> Wizards was was paying people to play Magic. Now they've told you, yeah, don't expect to make a living doing this. That's that's not what the Pro Tour is anymore. It's always been that way, except for that like two and a half year period where they directly paid the pros. Like I mean, like that's literally the only time it wasn't that way. But, they, I, I, but they've always sold it as you know you could play Magic for a living. Because by even by calling it the Pro Tour, <laughs> that's they're selling that. They they never said that though. They said there's right. prizes. Well, that's what the word pro means. Is you do it for a living. If somebody tells me they're a you know, pro, you know what else? Player, you know what else pro means? Promotional. That's what else it also means. Like they they never said you get on the Pro Tour, you'll make a living, keep playing pro. They literally did not. Like because they knew that was you don't have to because that is what professional means. If you well, tell I, me you're a professional wrestler, I assume that's your job. If you tell me you're a professional baseball player, I assume that's your job. Real. We both know professional wrestlers that ain't making a living either. I mean, also, <laughs> I have been a professional journalist where I wasn't making a full time living because that's where the newspaper industry is. But still, that's you know for sure. For sure, it is what professional in theory is supposed to mean. So again, but, but, here's, we, but here's the thing, though. I would even say there's you have access to more money in Magic now than you had then. The individual pro tours pay more than they used to pay then. You don't have the Grand Prix circuit as much, but you have like all the arena opens, you have the arena championships, you got all these other things, you know, the Dream Hack regional qualifiers, blah blah. So there's still a lot of tournaments that people can get to and still win money. You still have the SCG tour stops or whatever it is they're doing, their tournaments. So, like, there's still opportunities around. Hell, we just had the Eternal Weekend two weekends ago, I think, where they gave away a bunch of money and prizes for stuff. So there's still money to be had in Magic. If you want to travel and compete and whatever, there's there's still money for sure to be had. I mean, I think the world champion, did they get 250000 last year? It's a couple hundred thousand, but they, they got a big chunk of money, you know, for winning that. But so uh, that's, the, that's the champion. Like, what's the bottom? Uh, I think the floor for even showing up for that was a couple thousand dollars to cover all your expenses and whatever. So you they they made it to where now if you show up, if you qualify for the world championships, unless you did a bunch of extra stuff in the city, like it should be no less than a break even trip to come compete for the bottom place person. If I remember right, because it's a couple thousand dollars, which would cover your flight, hotel room, food, whatever. If you just didn't know anything, didn't split anything, you should be able to cover your expenses you know, from that prize, which is nice of them. I think that's actually pretty cool. And so like, I would rather have more events, make it to where more players can get there than have it like be stacked at the first place being like a million dollars or whatever, but then whatever, like 64th place getting a couple hundred bucks. Like that's, I hate those types of payouts. <laughs> like let more people be better. Just make it flatter across the thing. The winner still gets the biggest chunk of the pie. They get the trophy, you know, all that stuff. They get the recognition, whatever. Like that, that to me still makes more sense. But yeah, it, it's, it's a tough thing. You know, I, I just think if you're going to compete, it's kind of just understood that comp worldwide competition comes with expenses. Even in games where you don't have to buy a lot of equipment, they still have high entry fees. You know, it's just kind of how it goes. I, th I think the exclusion would be some of the video game tournaments 
probably, but and those only a handful of people even qualify for them. You know, you're talking like the top 16 people in the whole world or whatever even get a chance to play. So there's no fees there, but it's also a much smaller pool that people can even aspire to participate in. So it's it's a weird thing, but it's interesting, you know, to your point that you're right. I don't think I hear this for any other game on the regular. It's definitely yeah, a magic problem. Which is weird because Magic has the largest system of stores and some seemingly the most events and whatever. So like, but I guess it's also the only one that's been around for for you know, twenty five years. So I think probably if you go to let's say, uh, no, that's uh, not you, even true because Pokemon has been around that long, and Yu Gi Oh's getting close. I think Yu Gi Oh's at like twenty years. Okay. So like they they've been around a long time. Like so, it shouldn't be if it's. It shouldn't be a thing that's exclusive to Magic. If everybody else know. doesn't have problems, do, do, do they have like vintage or legacy formats? I don't even know. Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh basically functions as always vintage as their main format, and okay. then they just have like a weird rotating ban list, like twice a year, where cards just move in and out, and they have like a weird restriction, so you can play one of or three of or whatever. So they do weird things to try to balance it throughout the year. But basically, in Yu-Gi-Oh, you can play whatever all the time. For the okay. format, it's very weird. Uh, Pokemon has different formats. They have standard, effectively, which is the latest couple of years worth of cards, and then they have like their open format or whatever with other stuff. So, so they kind of are closer to Magic, where you can play more recent things or you can play with old stuff. But yeah, it's an interesting thing. I think it's just it's going to be one of those things. It's going to be discourse. It's just not going away anytime soon. I'm sure no, I'm going to get blasted for having the opinions I have on it or whatever. Again, I think yeah. whatever flies in your group, go for it, right? I'm not going to tell you you're wrong to do it. It's just I get where there's different points of view and what they are, and I think people are all digging their feet in to just say, no, this way is the right way. And it's like, ah, I think there's nuance to all of it, really, that, that needs to be talked about. But anyway... I think you have a kind of an interesting story that might surprise some people. All right. Uh, Joan Donovan is a pretty well-known disinformation scholar, and uh, she was working for Harvard University, which is part of why she's well-known. And she uh, believes she was terminated because she basically was doing an investigation into Facebook, because obviously, you know, Facebook has been accused of, allowing lots of disinformation. And uh, that's kind of a, a big deal for Facebook to possibly be able to say, hey, yeah, don't investigate. And of course, we should mention that uh, Hart, uh, that uh, Zuckerberg and Facebook have donated well over, well, I think their most recent donation was $500 million. He's, I'm sure, has donated to them a few times. I believe he I believe he went to Harvard and Facebook is really supposed to be like, what, HarvardConnection.com or something. So, you were basically just trying to f see uh, kind of like, you know, what, I guess, uh, what power does Facebook have to kind of KO whistleblowers and uh, possibly $500 million worth? Because, hey, we're already, it's going to be 2024 before we know it. Lots of elections coming up. And even, you know, just your local, because Facebook to some extent will let you share pretty much within reason kind of whatever you want to. So if you share something ridiculous about your local mayoral candidate. In theory, somebody somewhere should hopefully be investigating that, but that's not always happening because let's be honest, Facebook didn't really get into this to be 
a news designation site. That's just kind of a thing that happened as more and more people got on Facebook and started sharing pictures, information, just uh, like, hey, you know, I'm into some of the other Facebook. Hey, look, I'm in, this is a new apple pie recipe. Then, hey, people are like, look, I'm into news. I like to share news items. Probably nobody has to verify a picture of your cat or an apple pie recipe because that, most people already care that's not your cat. But if you start sharing news that isn't correct, that can have complications up to possibly swaying the course of our democracy. So Facebook is having to play catch up, has been playing catch up for several years now. And because Facebook has what, how many let's say, billions of people, in a lot of cases, they're cutting different deals in, in different regions. Like I think uh, in Canada during the wildfires, people were trying to share, Hey, this is how you can help people. This is where fires are. And, Facebook, I think it was using some of that feed for their for their aggregate and the, the news organizations, like we were talking about, you know, hey, who owns this? Obviously, the news organizations own their copy, but Facebook really didn't want to pay them for it. And again, kind of cuts a different deal everywhere. So some of the information telling people what to do about fires or where to get away from fires maybe didn't get shared. Facebook has, as we're seeing, way more power to affect the course of our government and our society than we than we or they ever expected them to have. Twitter and same thing applies to Twitter as we were just talking about. Yeah, I, I think as a whole, it's social media just at large does. I mean, and yeah. even to your point, the reason we even got to where we are with politics being on social media is largely because political parties realized that. <laughs> they were like, wait a minute. We could just go tell people this thing on Facebook or on Twitter or whatever, and nobody's going to say anything. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> right. So then they just started making it. That's where their ad money went. That's where they started researching. That's where they started. Even where they're not foreign bots, they were stateside bots just sharing yeah. information, right? Because it was easier to make it automated. So yeah, it's 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 a little bit crazy. We've seen cases where, like one of the one of the unfortunately numerous <laughs> mass shootings that we've had in the world, those have been streamed to Facebook in real time because Facebook didn't have enough people watching their feed to say, "Hey, is people that use the platform were were alerting Facebook? There's a live shoot. There's a mass shooting being live streamed on your platform. You might want to look into that. That's, yeah, that's not to Twitch. A, also. That's not a thing anymore now, which is nice." But yeah. yeah, there definitely was a point where that happened for sure. I will, I, and what Brian was talking about is off the air. We had discussed it. I had seen something earlier today from somebody researching uh, Twitter that apparently, and it's believed, and they're still deep diving. But right now, it looks like Elon Musk may have actually coalesced to currently every known request they could find from countries or politicians to suppress some amount of information. Since he's taken over Twitter, and now, at the point you know you gotta <laughs> you, you you it's your platform. You're allowed to you know yeah. to ban anybody. You're allowed to let anybody talk. But as we talked about, that there are consequences to who you let talk. <laughs> if if neo Nazis are out there and they feel <laughs> that this is a platform that allows them to speak their what they think is their truth. 
There's going to be some consequences. Right? We just talked about uh, just a couple of I think, podcasts ago about how advertisers are backing off of Twitter because. Yeah. Well, because the thing that to Facebook's credit and, you know, their organization, they at least realize like, OK, we effed up. We'll pay whatever fines. And then we got to make good on the PR side. Right. Like we still like having the money. We still want to spend money on yeah. other projects. We want people to still use our platform. Let's do some things. And again, I still think they have issues, but they've at least yeah. made some steps on the Twitter side. He's kind of still just saying, like, you know what? F all of it. <laughs> like, whatever. Right. We're going to do stuff this way. And what's slowly happening is a lot of those companies that are more reliable are leaving. Hell, it's to the point now. Even their own system, because you know how they have those little what do they call the the tweeter twit notes or whatever they put there now, whatever they're calling them. So there's some now you're seeing where you'll get an ad that's paid to be on their site that the notes will say like, "Well, be aware when using this site because it's a mass AI generated platform on a generic website or whatever." So like it's even telling you the people and now advertising on the channel or just these made up automated sites that aren't even necessarily reputable. They're probably dropship sites no. or whatever, right? Not even real people or real organizations backing them if you had an issue. So, And to their credit, that's more than most newspapers I worked with ever did for ad content. Agreed, agreed. They I just, think great addition. In terms of ads, it was just let the buyer beware. If you think that timeshare is a good deal, nobody in the end, and their check kept clearing at the newsroom, Nobody was going to get on there and, and investigate and see if those timeshares were actually legit. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I mean, the great addition to Twitter, I think. But it, it does go to show you just how far that platform has fallen in just two years. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. And Twitch has had some of these problems, too, because, again, it has a politics category. And they have not done the best job of stopping people from going on there and spreading, especially during COVID time. Just all manner of conspiracy theories, misinformation, just weird, c crazy stuff. Like uh, Dr. Disrespect, who was one of their biggest streamers, was going down a lot of those weird COVID-19 rabbit holes. We, we still don't know exactly why he's not there anymore, but I'm sure that didn't help. <laughs> I mean, I will say. Yeah, wasn't a point in his favor. Twitter, Twitch has at least been booting some people. Yeah. Granted, they're just showing up on Kick now, so unfortunately, yeah, doesn't, doesn't solve anything. So it's it's whatever. But if, if Twitch don't want you, Kick is like, come on, come on, open yep. ours. Now let's talk about some fun stuff. We have a couple things that are a little bit different, but these are some interesting points to talk about this week that I think people would be interested in knowing. So what do you got? All right, uh, Peter Cullen, who you know has done. Uh, many things over the past uh, 40 some odd year career in acting, but obviously is best known, especially by those of us that play has with Hasbro toys and Hasbro games as the voice of Optimus prime, the leader of the Autobots. And finally at uh, the Emmys, I believe last week, he got the lifetime achievement award for it. As I mentioned, not you know, most famous for Optimus prime, but he has done voiceovers and acted in so many projects. For example, that he's actually in, this season of Invincible on Amazon Prime, which I have not got a chance to watch yet, but heard it's fabulous, getting great reviews. Of course, what has Peter Cullen ever done that's not awesome? And I never heard anybody say a bad word about the guy. And apparently he mentioned if he actually got the uh, the voice of Optimus Prime and kind of just some Optimus Prime's philosophy 
from his brother who was a Marine. And I guess kind of, you know, his hero and a hero to a lot of people and said, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to play this role, make sure that, you know, he's a true leader. He's somebody that recognizes that a leader has to have the courage to be compassionate. And that absolutely is who Optimus Prime is. And from just what's going on in the, in the Transformers universe, he has no reason to care whether the humans die or not. In fact, protecting the humans almost always makes fighting the Decepticons way harder than it would be if they just worried about stepping on Megatron's head. But that's who Optimus Prime is. He cares about the humans because that's what he believes a leader should be. You know what's crazy? To think about, he might have the longest stretch of time for the most one person doing a character's voice. I Because it's been, what, 40 years? Almost. So. Like 38 years or something. 37 yeah. years. It's like, that's a long time. Because I'm thinking, like, even the dude that did Mario's voice just recently quit doing Mario, but Mario came out after Transformers. Right. So, like, his window of time was small. And that's, like, the next longest Plus, one I, I can don't think, think of. The guy, of course, I don't think he was the first one. Peter no, Cullen did, is... Yeah, the guy did Mario was the first one. Like, oh, he, Charles, you talking about Charles Martinet, the guy that just finished doing it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was the one that was the whole way. Oh, okay. Yeah. They've had, like, one or two for some individual projects, but, like, he's done it pretty much the whole window of time. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't yeah. think anybody else has ever voiced Optimus Prime in anything. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. That's a long time to be right. for a single role, voice acted or not. Like, that's pretty The crazy. only person, and obviously, you know, I guess a lot of the... For, for his co-star, Frank Wilker, who is Megatron and also almost half of the cast of Scooby-Doo, probably is, is up there, too, because I think he's been Fred Jones and Scooby for... That goes back to the 1960s. And you know what's uh, you know tough, I would say, for voice actors, is that as you get older, it just becomes harder to do. Right. Right, to keep but the I, same voice, the same tone, whatever. Yeah. Like... Man, good on him, man. That's that's a hell of a run, for real. I think I want to say Frank Wilker still does Scooby. I don't know if he still does okay. Fred Jones because you know Fred's a teenager, yeah. so that probably I'm sure would get harder and harder as he gets older and older. But. Here's a fun fact about Peter Cullen that I don't think people know: he actually did the first original sounds for the Predator. Yeah, I saw that. So if you go through the weird, like, clicky sounds and whatever, like, that's actually him. And I don't know, he probably has a credit for it, too, if you go look it up. Yeah. Yeah, like... I I did see that on IMDb. He's just... It's crazy to hear the voice actors, because, you know, think about Optimus Prime, Predator. He apparently also was Monterey Jack, an Australian mouse on Chip and Dale's... The guy's rage is fun, and not just him. Most voice actors, especially the ones that have done your favorite cartoons, like so Frank Wilker, Megatron, Scooby-Doo, I'm Fred Jones. You, I was lucky enough to get to meet him, and if you want to really like make his day and do a cool thing around to him, have him do the Predator voice for you. And it's like, it's weird coming out of a person. <laughs> like, you know, but, I, if I ever get to meet him, I absolutely I mean, dude, it it's crazy, because you're just like, he really did do the damn predator voice. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's, but it's out of this, like, you know, at the time, like, you know, 50 some 60 year old man, but like just crazy, crazy, really cool though. Really cool. Uh, and well-deserved for him. Oh yeah, definitely. I will say in other news, it's not as exciting, but uh, important to us as nerds. 
if you're into comic book movies, Kang, Jonathan Majors, found guilty for domestic violence. And that case, I believe, started on the 29th of last month and went about two weeks and kind of came down the way we expected as things started to play out, right? Now, the weird thing is, he kind of got punished for the aftermath more than the actual incident, which is a, I don't know if I've heard of that happening before, but it's that just in terms of in court, they sometimes just throw multiple charges at you in the hope that something sticks. In this case, a strategy work. I'm not saying he shouldn't be guilty. I'm just saying it's interesting to understand what he got punished for versus not being punished for. But I think this is a case where, it feels like it was just deserved, right? Even if he wouldn't have gotten the punishment he got, he didn't do anything to help himself in this case. Like, I mean, one, just the immediate situations like 911 calls, whatever, like, were just a level of like, level of egotism, if you want to call it that, right? So didn't didn't do himself any favors right out of the gate. And then just the entirety of the court case, he just looked like like too good to be there. Like he he didn't think anything was going to happen. And he, he you know, as, as the old guys would say, you know, walking around like his S don't stink. You know what I mean? Like he kind of had that look about him. Like he just didn't care. Even when they delivered the verdict, he was like stoic, no real reaction, just like dead face stared the jury while they read it. Like, why, like, even if, even if I thought, you know, maybe this isn't what it seems, you know, the whole three sides to every story thing, eh, maybe we give him something lesser, right? You were in no way inclined to do that looking at his reactions. Like, he looked like he did it and he thought he was going to walk away with it. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, when I saw the verdict, I was kind of like, yeah, that's sort of what you expected to happen here. What it, what? And within minutes, Marvel had dumped him, which, of course, was the only thing they could do because, again, Marvel is owned by oh. Disney and they can't be. We all knew. Go. We all knew. Yeah. It, was, it was either going to be immediately make the phone call and tell them we don't need your services anymore yeah. or nice to have you back. We'll start the project at the beginning of the year. <laughs> right? Like those were the two phone was, calls they were ready yeah. to make. There was going to be nothing in the middle. Right. Either it's a low enough punishment that we can still work with you or you're just outright guilty and we got to get rid of you. There was nothing else like crazy, crazy, crazy situation. But this comes back to what I talked about before, right? That with the writer strike and the actor strike happening, this did Disney and Marvel so many favors because one, you got to take a break, right? You got to kind of let's reassess some things. Also, by the way, I heard they let the guy go who was, I guess, the, for lack of a better term, the architect of this, like, we got to have a new Disney Marvel series within, like, two weeks of the last one ending or whatever, and that's why we had so many. He was the guy driving that. And they kind of just went like, dude, no, we don't need this. We don't agree with your plan, and they let that guy go. I would would love a good one, but that's not what they've been doing. I I don't even mind that, but it's just like, it is a, it starts to feel like a lot. You know what I mean? Where you're like, Somebody's talking about a series, and you're like, oh, okay, when does that come out? They're like, dude, it just started last week. And you're like, I, I just finished watching this other one. Like, when did that one even come around, you know? And think, again, if they were good, I'd watch them all. But, the, for example, Secret Invasion, they just, all the best parts of Secret but, Invasion, but, they 
I think you can also make the argument that if you take more time with them, you can make more revisions and you can do things that don't have to be as rushed to make that next project. Disney has near infinite resources. They can be filming all these shows at the same time, especially yeah. if they're not featuring the same people. Just because, just make them good. To get them, to get them on a schedule and out on time, like, the, and you're trying to fill TV, you know, literally every week, like that, that does become a lot. And if I, you could and give I, me Netflix is Daredevil. If you could give me that every. Six to eight weeks, I absolutely watch. But no, see, I haven't finished Secret Invasion. I don't. But that's fine. Like, if, but that's it. the thing. If you give me eight weeks and then I get like a month break and you give me another eight weeks, cool. But when there's I mean, literally I don't take a month break from reading my comic books, so no. I mean, I... But I'm just saying that's just how people are operating. Like if you ask people, it's not even just the quality. Some people are literally just going like, I just don't have time. Like they're just skipping stuff because they don't. Hell, I know I've skipped stuff. Hell, even on Star Wars and whatever because I didn't even realize some stuff even started. You know, like I, I ended up being behind. Hell, I still haven't watched Ashoka yet. Oh yeah, and it's and it's but on my I mean, list of stuff. I just, yeah, like now I haven't I haven't watched a single hour of Marvel this week, for example, because yeah, time. But Christmas weekend, when you know me and the kids are on vacation, I'll probably sit down, watch two entire shows. So yeah, just and I want that because again, I'm paying you every month for content. Oh, It'd be sure, different sure. if the stuff was free. I'm paying Disney Plus, so yes. I want content. I I honestly believe, I think the stuff that comes out in 24 is going to be better. I honestly feel so. And I think it's because, because even, and you know, just as people, I think there's a level of burnout that comes with that where you're trying to hit certain deadlines and your film times have to be shrunk down. And like, there's just a lot that's going on. And some of those people work in multiple projects, right? They're getting off one and going the next. And, God bless Kevin Feige, because I don't know how that dude's even just standing anymore. Like, he's apparently overseeing the entirety of the the Marvel Universe projects or whatever. And that's got to be like 50 parts moving at any given time. So, like, I don't know how he even does that. Chris, I will say what I've heard so far is not encouraging, but I believe the next TV show up is going to be Echo. And some of the comments that the, I guess, writers and showrunners have made it's like they hate the material. Because in the, in the comic book, she's called Echo because she has the ability to replicate anything she sees. So if she fights, you know, I don't know, uh, Captain America. She will be able to, you know, do incredible head-to-head combat and throw a shield. But they've already said, yeah, we think that's stupid. We're not doing that. That's literally the character. Yeah, That's why she's called Echo. It's also tough, too, because we got away with the original, I guess you want to call it the last, first four phases or whatever, first three phases with B-list characters in some ways. Yeah. Right. And we made it work and that's awesome. But you start dipping into like C and D tier characters, it gets a lot rougher. Right. Cause at least people have heard of Captain America. You know, people have, the only ones probably like people didn't really know who guardians of the galaxy were. No. Like, like, so that one was like your stretch run. <laughs> it was just like, let's see what we can get away with. But, you know, everybody else has heard of the I, whole... I, I, how people many people you think knew who Thor was, honestly? There was a fair amount of people who knew who Thor was, I think. I think there was did a fair you, amount. Like, let's say, did your, did your mom know who Thor was? No, 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 no. I'm sure that's not. But but most... But she, but, but no, she knows who the Hulk is, right? Yeah, yeah of course. Like, because Hulk also had... She knows who Captain America is, more likely. Sure. You know. But that's what I'm saying. But when you're talking about, like, Shang-Chi, which I thought was a great movie, but, like... Character yeah, nobody really no. knows. Hell, even right. comic book readers don't know who Shang-Chi is, right? Like, yeah. you know, we're talking about, like, the Eternals, you know, all these types of things. Like, 
And the movies come out and people still don't know. Those, those, nobody's are, the movie. those are like deep cut characters. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you have to be like entrenched in the Marvel lore or whatever to even know anything about them. Not even know their details. Just know they even exist in a lot of ways. And, and think, then for the storyline, you had to say like, you have to explain like, okay, these people were here while Thanos was just stacking bodies and decided to do nothing. <laughs> yeah. Know? And see, and that's the other thing too. I think you also, those are ones where I think you need more than six episodes to tell the story. Yeah. Because like you have to go deep to just like your first three have to be just, these are who these people are and why they exist and what they can do. Then the next like six or seven can be, here's actual story around these, these characters. Like with Captain America, whatever, like we did a movie and then you could do whatever you want. And now we have the winter soldier and whatever, and that's kind of its own series. So like, yeah, but they're getting the benefit of having been part of all this other stuff already. Right. So I think this time off gives them time to reevaluate some of that. This deal with Kang though, was fortuitous that those strikes happened because the strikes lasted what? Six months. I think when it was all said and done, like, Imagine if they had been filming stuff for that period. That would have probably been two more TV shows and a movie, maybe even two movies that you'd been in the process of working on or whatever, that would have been tied to this whole Kang storyline in some way. Now, how much would it featured and tied in or how many would have been in? Maybe one of the three, two of the four, or something like that. But it would have still interlaced that story. At least now they got a break to go, you know what? Let's just not do anything till after the beginning of the year. Let's see what the outcome of this case is. Yeah. Turns out he's guilty. So now it'd be interesting to see what the plan is. Because I think you kind of have three options. You could have new big bad step up. Like maybe he's going to help the problem and he just takes out all the Kang. So he's the new big bad for the next phase five and six or whatever. Right. Or we just do like we talked about off the air. You just replace them and we'll all pretend. like just i don't know you get somebody that looks even just roughly like him and just be like they didn't they 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 used war they used don cheadle who could not look left like terrence howard and they just went with it how many hulks have we had we're on hulk three four i've lost track i agree that we could but i think for continuity's sake there's probably some actor that's close enough you suspend Disbelief. Like, why do it if you didn't do it for the Hulk, who's one of the Avengers? Why would you do it yeah, for but, a D-list superhero? I, I, I do have an explanation for that. It's like Hulk was not at the time truly connected to anything. Hulk was a series. Well, it was a TV series, which we didn't connect anything to the TV series from like the seventies and eighties. Then you had three movies, two movies that were not the best. <laughs> and we kind of don't even acknowledge them. And matter of fact, they're not even listed as part of the continuity of the phase one and two and three, which is really crazy. Well, the storyline because Robert Downey Jr. appeared in the second one, so it's still connected. Did he appear in the? If if he did, yeah, it was just did. briefly. Well, but yeah, but they established that this is part of the Avengers project, and you know you should have you should have used technology, not uh, gamma radiation or whatever. And I'm plus, just saying, I'm, I feel like when I looked, they didn't have Hulk even listed as story parts that were relevant to this phase. Plus, one. the villain in Captain America New World Order is General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, the Hulk's arch enemy. Sure. But I. So, yeah, it's still tied. And they would have used the same it, actor, but William Hurt died. So now it's Harrison Ford. Well, that's fair. 
But like nothing from that really affected anything uh, other stories, right? They're just they're just not key enough that people even remember. No, because they're they're apparently bringing back the leader who was in uh, the Norton's Hulk movie. Sure, but we'll see if they tie that to that original story. I don't think they. Will. I mean, they, I think I mean, they kind of have to because he becomes the leader in that movie. He gets the gamma blood in his head. His head starts growing to inhuman proportions. I bet a lot of people don't even remember that. But the people that go see Marvel movies remember. I bet they don't because I didn't. Like I'm not even being real. I'm not even messing with you. I for real went like when you said it. I kind of went, oh yeah, I guess that might have happened. But like, I for real didn't remember it. Like those two first two movies were real bad by comparison. But, but again, happen. if the Incredible Hulk is your favorite character, you remember all oh, of sure, that. Sure, sure, sure. There's always going to be those. Like I'm a fandom is fandom. I'm not going to argue that at all. But. I do think there is a world where you say, hey, we've tied this into enough things. Kang has appeared now in what, like six things? If you count like post-credit scenes and whatever. So yeah. like at some point you kind of go, all right, maybe it's worth it. I don't know. And, and again, it might not be worth it. They might just say, eh, let's just get whoever actor we think is good that could do this role. Have them fill it in. And we just accept it that this is just a thing that when you rewatch this later, there's just yeah. going to be a new Kang you know, somewhere in the middle of phase five. It's the perfect character because, you know, he has a million variants. So who is to say one of his variants doesn't look like Damson Idris or the most ridiculous cat suggestion I've heard, Will Smith. If you uh, fire Jonathan Majors <laughs> for slapping people, you can't yeah, hire Will Smith. But, but that's my other thing, too. We could also just say, like, it was a variation of Kang that took over or eliminated the other Kangs or whatever. So he can implement yeah. his plan or whatever. And then we roll with it, right? It's believable enough in a comic book setting that we go, yeah, all right, we get why you need to do it. There's enough explanation. Fine. Right. And then we just move on with yeah. the movies. So yeah, they have at least a few options, but it'd be interesting to see what they decide to go with. But uh, there is a topic we definitely want to talk about uh, before we move on to, uh, our dinner table because this one it's it's a doozy yeah so we have been on the show at least for the last couple months celebrating some twitch wins right because they yeah. we, we had so much to complain about and it seems like man this is a hit this is a hit this is a hit right so many good things and then they just i mean you talk about fumbling the bag Man, this past week, they decided for whatever reason, they needed to clarify what was going to be acceptable levels of nudity on their platform. Now, mostly, if you read through it, it, it if you are somebody who understands literacy for what they're trying to explain, it's artistic nudity, right? Like, if it's something from artwork that you're showing or you're doing a lesson with like the statue of David or whatever, or some of these people that do these creative body paint things or whatever. All right, cool. It's a little adult, but there's at least an artistic element to it. But I think there anybody is. who has any yeah. common sense read that and you know, like this ain't going to end well. Cause even the people that are, that are actually doing legitimate artistic content, I'm going to guess the majority of their chat is boobies. Look, yep. boobies. Yep. And we, just, and dude, it didn't even take a full 24 hours. 
No, it, who thought it would? Exactly. Who thought it would take 24 minutes? That was my whole thing. Is like, as soon as I, I went, we know this isn't going to end well, right? Like, I mean, I, I got through reading it and went, yeah, this, this won't last a week. Now, I didn't think it was going to be a day where everything fell off. But people, like, dude, you had issues I mean, with once nudity, once you have, uh, once you throw that open and out there. Dude, people were trying, like, every variation they could to get away with it. And then you had people. The Supreme Court can't even figure out how to define Artful Dude, nudity. Had, there, there was no way Twitch was going to figure it had out. People who were doing it right getting reported after one because yeah. it was just like thing after thing after thing, and everybody was reporting everything. So it was, it was just a mess. Was, and then the most recent thing, which I saw this morning when I woke up, there's chicks on there now, which, as it turns out, not even really naked, but they're wearing like the skimpiest thing possible. Which, hey, I don't care about your wardrobe, but they're using black bars over their private regions, we'll call it that, to look as though they're naked. So, like, you can still see the skin around it or whatever, and because they're wearing, like, the really thin strip bra painting, whatever, you can't tell they're not naked. So they're now using it to try to give the illusion of being naked to draw people in. And I'm just like, this this is obviously not what this was intended for. Like, what are we But, doing? again, who could have... Who thought there'd be any other outcome? Who would have bet on people sitting there and respectfully looking looking at the artistic merits of nudes? Here, here's the problem. Like, you got to know your audience. You they, know? they should have known this because this goes back to two years ago or whatever when they instituted the rule of like they didn't want a bunch of bikinis and didn't want this, but then people were pushing back. And they were like, okay, fine. If it's within a specific setting where it makes sense to have a bathing suit and whatever, cool. Within a week, people were ordering these inflatable hot tubs, putting hot tubs in their apartments they're streaming from just so they can be scantily clad and be on camera. And it's just like, yeah, what do you think? Because you can't tell them what you can't be in a hot tub. In, in your and I mean, a lot of it was suit. entertaining. A oh, lot yeah. of it was was content that was basically parodying the whole oh, yeah, hot yeah. tub meta. So, I'm yeah, not it saying was... I hate all of it. But what I'm saying is if you did that and that was the outcome. What did you think was going to happen when you said, well, you can show boobies if you do it this way? Like, of course, they're going to go to the extreme. They did it the last time you changed the rule. Yeah. At some point, and it sucks. Don't get me wrong. It does suck for the people trying to do stuff correctly. But at some point, you just say, hey, this is just not what we do here. And just make it clean and simple. Because this has to be a headache on all the customer service, all the people have to respond yeah. to everything. Like this is just so much extra work for everybody who works at Twitch. There's probably meetings among the higher people trying to decide how to define the rules and their legal teams. And like, it's just not worth messing with it. Like the gain they get out of it just doesn't feel big enough on the grand scale to even want to mess with this stuff. And I get it. Some of it's just, Hey, we're trying new things and things are going well. And, we want to make everybody happy and we're going to get some of these PR wins. And yeah, this wasn't the one though. This one, And don't get me wrong. We've said it before. I am not, Hey, I'm not even faulting the ladies out there doing it because if they're going to let you do it and it's within the rules and you can get paid, get your bag. Right. I'm like, whatever. I mean, that's kind of how entertainment is done is you, know, you figure out 
kind of what the rules are, what you can do within the rules. And then sometimes, you know, like you're going comedy is the same way. Like George Carlin, the seven things you can't yeah. say. That's funny because he is pushing the envelope. Great comedy is funny because it pushes. So as an entertainer, yes, it is very much our job to try to figure out, you know, how we can give our fans the best experience, you know, within and sometimes just over the line, you know? Well, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I don't have a problem with that. Like you're, you're doing what you got to do that the platform allows you to do. I just think for Twitch, especially when you're getting all these wins and, People are starting to be happy and more sponsors are coming in. You probably didn't need to do this, right? Just say, hey, that's not what our platform's about. This is a thing we just... Now, again, you know what's going to happen. They'll change the rule. Then a bunch of people are just going to jump to kick and they're going to do it over there, right? Like, Because Kick's whole marketing strategy at this point is, hey, whatever Twitch badge you for, we love it. Come yeah, on it's, over it's here. Wild West over there, right? Like, so, you know, it's whatever, but... I think you at least we at least accept that that that's Kick's platform, right? We know yeah. what they're doing over there. We know it is like we kind of know what we want from Twitch. We know what we want to be shared with us or exposed to, or hell, you got kids. You may or may not want them to see certain things. You know, right. Twitch is generally a safe platform. Now it may not be, <laughs> like maybe not. Don't know yet. It, it might be going away. You don't like so. I think that's stuff that the Twitch probably needs to look at, but. Yeah, and that's part of the problem with the platform where anybody can hit a button and start putting out content. Yeah. If this was if this was even your local public access cable, somebody would hopefully be watching it. Hey, yeah, you can't do that. There'd be mm-hmm. just, even as, as I'm gonna bring up, you know, my eternal example of like local comedy clubs. If I'm afraid I'm over the edge. I'm going to, hey, like, can I say this thing? Can I, how do you feel about this? Because I want to go work there again. So I know I'm not going to hopefully say anything too crazy. Whereas Twitch again, people just that anybody could hit a button and be live and God knows what happens. That's part of what makes it great because there are so many people that we'd have never seen get to entertain us you know if twitch doesn't become a platform but then there's stuff like this so you gotta just take the good you take the bad and i guess mrs garrett said you take them both and there you have the facts of life yep i mean that's that's where we are but uh we're running a bit long so let's go ahead and hop into the dinner table we have some stuff we'll just push to next week because we, we have more stuff to talk about but with it being the holidays I think now would be a fun time to discuss. And I don't know if we've even done this the last couple of years. I feel like we I, I, I feel, feel like we like might we have, have talked about some version of it, but I weird because I feel like I would know your answer and I don't know your answer to this. <laughs> but what is your favorite Christmas gift you've ever received? I I, I feel like we've we might have had this conversation off camera. I mean, it gets hard to Maybe. tell because we've talked about it, but yeah, I think mine was the suit the uh Nintendo Entertainment System back in, I guess, 1985. Dude, what's crazy? No, I don't think we've talked about this because that's actually my answer, too. But I, but I don't think it's just because of the system. I think it because, like, especially as I get older, understanding how much my family had to spend to uh, for us to have that. True. You know, when we normally, like, we get, like, a couple of small things or whatever, but we never got, like, the big expensive thing. Yep. So... 
for us to get that. And it was like a shared thing between like me and my brother. And we got like one or two games or something. But that's the one that stands out. And we didn't even get it like I, the first I, I year. Think most par- I think most parents realize, you know, this is this could be your babysitter. This is going to save oh, yeah, you yeah. time and money in the long run. Because how many things can you buy? And if you don't, want, if you don't want your child to move for five or six hours, there you go, dude. We didn't even get like I think we got it this maybe like around the end of the second year it was out. We definitely get it year one because I knew some other people owned them at the beginning. So we got it at least late into the second year, if not beginning of the third year of its release. And it was still a big deal to have it then. Yeah. You know, not even being new. At that point, you realize, because so many people, you know, not just everybody from retailers, a lot of the parents that didn't buy it that first year didn't buy it because they remembered the Atari 2600 and how video games were all the rage. They were everywhere. They were, you know, there was song, Pac-Man fever, you know, Mm -hmm. on the charts. And then just the bottom fell out and it fell out hard. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. a miracle that Nintendo ever even happened. The bottom of the video game industry fell out. So, so a lot of parents are like, I, this is like pet rocks. I'm not going through this again. Yeah, it was crazy, you know, to even think about. Like at the time, it was just like, I was more like surprised that we got it. But yeah. again, like I said, as I get older, it's kind of like, man, that was actually like a real present for us to get. Yeah. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, it led to a whole bunch of other stuff. So, right. It ended up being life changing for both of us, really. Yeah. And that's what that's crazy. Us, but millions of other kids. Yeah. That's a crazy thing, right? When you think about how many things like that happen in your life that you, you really don't even think that much about, but like really was important to shaping your interest or your friendships or, you know, honing a skill or whatever, you know, that you kind of just did it and you really didn't think about it. But then, you know, you become 20, you become 30 and like you look back and go, oh, man, if I didn't have these things, where would I have been? Right. You know, that's pretty crazy. And, there, and there's a lot of those things that you probably just overlook on the regular. But all right, man, watch everybody where they can find you on the social media machines. All right. I am uh, Brian Sionic on uh, Twitter, still on there and uh, Instagram. And you can find me at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And I just want to say, whatever you celebrate, whether it's Christmas, Hanukkah, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever that was. Yeah, Festivus, you know, whatever it is. Enjoy it. Spend some time with your family. Take care of your people. It's always important. Hug somebody. Tell them you love them. Remember to be awesome. And most importantly, be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate under patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 